give. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter number 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read two verses. We're in a theme this year entitled Together. That's what we're talking about this year, Together. Last month we talked about coming together. Well, this month we're going to talk about pulling together. That's the theme of February, pulling together. And today I want to talk about pulling together as a couple. Pulling together as a couple. Whether you're engaged, you're in your honeymoon still, or you're four or five years in your marriage, or several decades in your marriage, the invitation is to pull together as a couple. You know, marriage is challenging. Yeah, it is. Marriage is, is challenging. Somebody said uh, marriage is a walk in the park. That's Jurassic Park, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's challenging. Yeah. And, and fellas, let me just tell you, before you criticize your wife's decisions, you were one of them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Kind of. Lean back on something. Yeah, those are ladies clapping. I heard amen, female amens right there. We want to talk about pulling together as a couple. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24. This is the first marriage in the Bible. It's Adam and Eve. What does God say about the first marriage in the Bible? Genesis 2, 24. This is why a man leaves father and mother and is united to his wife. It does not say... This is why he moves in with his girlfriend. Okay? It doesn't say this is why he moves in with his boyfriend. There's no cohabitation found in the Bible. This is why a, a man leaves his father and mother, is united to his wife. The word wife means it's marriage. When you move in, it's marriage. United to his wife, what will happen if they'll do it God's way? The next verse, they will become one. God says, you honor me, and guess what? You'll become one. Now, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we endearingly call it the love chapter. Great chapter on love. It's the Bible's version of love. It's the Holy Spirit's version of love. There is one verse there, verse number 7, I want to bring to our attention. And I want to suggest to us, verse number 7 gives us four traits of enduring love. Four traits of enduring love. Whether you're dating and about to get married, you're newly married, you've been married six, seven, eight years, your first decade, or several decades. Four traits of enduring love. Now, in this verse, verse number 7, there's one word that's found four times. Anytime the Bible, the Holy Spirit, repeats something, it's emphasizing something. So the fact that the word always is found four times, here's what God is really saying. He doesn't want you to forget, to, to, to miss this and forget this. So it's kind of almost like the Holy Spirit saying, I mean always, I mean always, I mean always. Not when you feel like it, not when it's convenient, not when you're in a good mood. It's always. Verse number four, four traits of enduring love. It says of love, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Four traits of enduring love. Let me unpack them. The first one, love always protects. And with this, I want to say, we need to fight for our marriages. We need to fight for our marriages. Love always protects. We don't fight in our marriage. We fight for our marriage. Some of us are fighting in the marriage. The Bible says we need to fight for the marriage. Someone has said there are three rings in marriage. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. No, that's, uh, that's not what God intends. Some of us were in that suffering. God intends that we fight for our marriage, and we're not fighting in our marriage. Love always protects. It was Jim Daly who spoke at our men's encounter. He is the president of Focus on the Family. Now, you've heard data like 50% of all marriages end in divorce, and that's kind of the, the standard in America today. But he gave a very interesting statistic, a very interesting observation. They have found, they have found in marriages where couples... Three to four times a week, if they pray together, not pray separately, pray together, pull together, pray together, and read Scripture together, the divorce rate is 1%. It's the, when you're pulling together, praying together, following God's Word together, can I tell you? Things change in the home because you are protecting the love. You're protecting the home. You're fighting for your marriage. God wants to take marriage off the endangered species list. That's what God wants to do. And I want to encourage every one of us to start fighting for marriage and stop start fighting in the marriage. How do we do that? Take your marriage off the endangered species list. You do that. You do that by making Christ the center of the marriage. You can do a lot. You, you, you can go on a Caribbean cruise. You can send roses this way. That's nothing wrong with that. But if Christ is not the center, can I tell you, you have the potential of something pulling you apart. When Christ is the center, we build upon that. We establish that Jesus is the center. God's Word, the Bible, God's Word, it gives us direction on, on what we're going to do, how we're going to live. You see, everything about a relationship with Christ are characteristics you want in your marriage. Love, joy, forgiveness, understanding, acceptance. You want all that in your marriage? That comes from our relationship with Christ. So if we're practicing a good relationship with Christ in the marriage, guess what? In our relationship with God, it spills over in the marriage. So we have to make our marriage Christ-centered. There is in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter number 2, there's an interesting, an interesting verse. It's the first marriage in the New Testament. It's the marriage of Canaan of Galilee. John's Gospel, chapter 2, verse number 1. There's an interesting phrase you have read many times and probably have missed a point there. And it says in the first verse, On the third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. Did you ever notice that? What day was it? 
It was on the third day. Of all things the Holy Spirit said put in the Bible, why did the Holy Spirit say on the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee? Because even today it's very uh, traditional for Jewish weddings to be on a Tuesday, to be on the third day. It's very customary for that to happen today. Why is it? It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 on the third day of creation. Of all the created days, it was on the third day. God blessed that day twice. Twice God said on that day. And he didn't say it any other day. That twice. He only said it twice on the third day. It is good. And God blessed that day. So now the Jewish uh, uh, very traditionally believe that uh, that Tuesday is the day of double blessing. And here's what they're saying. We're going to start our marriage the way God wants us. It's a symbol of saying, God, we want your favor. It's a symbol of saying, God, we're going to follow your practice. It's a symbol of saying, God, we're going to put you first. Here's what I want to invite every married couple here today. You need a Tuesday and I'm speaking metaphorically you need to put God at the center his favor his word you need to follow him to the T on everything say in every aspect God we want your favor we will do marriage your way we will fight for our marriage to keep it Christ center you need a Tuesday and I speak metaphorically Put Christ at the center of your marriage. Number two, not only does uh, marriage protect, the Bible says it always trusts. With that, I want to tell you, stick in there and give it all you've got. Stick in there and give it all you've got. The Bible says it always trusts. Most scholars believe The word trust should be interpreted trustworthy. It always trusts. It's always trustful. It's always trustworthy. What does it mean? No matter how you feel, no matter what has occurred, no matter what you go through, you're reliable, you're trustworthy. Even if you don't agree, you're, you're committed to stick to it and make it work. You're not walking out. You're not a threatening divorce. You're, you're not taking a day or two off and the family doesn't hear from you. You don't just take off and say, I'm out of here. And then for two or three days or 24 hours, they, the other spouse doesn't know where you're at. And you're not answering the cell phone. You're not responding to text messages. That's not being trustworthy. The Bible says enduring love is trustworthy. You say, you don't know what we're going through. You may go through testing time, but you need to say and you need to affirm, we're going to make it work. We're going to walk through this. We're going to make it happen. We're not diving out. You're trustworthy in the marriage. Too much time we live by infatuation. Yes. Infatuation studies have been conducted. You'll be infatuated about 18 months and you'll get over it. If love does not graduate from infatuation, guess what? There'll be somebody else that'll catch your attention. Yes. Somebody else will catch your eye. We have to move past infatuation where love is trustworthy.
that person is reliable. Somebody said marriage is 50-50. No, divorce is 50-50. When you divorce, it's divided 50-50. In marriage, it's giving your all. It's giving your all. And sometimes care is not an equal distribution. Sometimes in the marriage and season, somebody's giving more than the other person. Somebody is giving more and contributing more. Somebody's investing more. Somebody's uh, putting more effort to keep it together. Somebody has to step in and walk through those seasons. So here's what I'm saying. Stick to it and give it all you've got. Number three, number three, the Bible says love always hopes. Here's what I want to tell you about that. Believe the best, forget the rest. Believe the best, forget the rest. Love always hopes. No matter how bad it's been, you hope it will get better. You're looking forward. You're you're moving forward. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, said, Marriage is two forgivers (laughs) joining together. I like that. Yeah, you just have to. Believe the best and forget the rest. Yeah. Disappointment will come. Hurt will come. Believe the best. Forget the rest. Yes. Yes. I told you every marriage needs a, needs a Tuesday. Can I tell you every marriage needs a Wednesday. Wednesday is a good day in our house. Wednesday's an important day in our house. What, 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 what is Wednesday? Is that church day? No, no, we have to have Wednesday. What's Wednesday? Wednesday in our house is garbage day. Yeah. Wednesday morning early, I take the trash can and I roll it out by the street and I leave it there. And then sometime that day, a truck comes by and hauls all of Denise's garbage away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's in there? Oh, it's the, it's the stuff I spilled all over the floor. It's the stuff that went bad in the refrigerator. It's, it's the, the junk, the debris, the package. It's, it's the broken pieces. It's the leftovers that spoiled. It's, it's when the grandkids come over and there was a diaper that we had to get rid of. It's all of that. We don't hold on to it. We take it out to the curb on garbage day. Yes, you need a Tuesday, but I'm here to tell you, you need a Wednesday too. You need a moment where you take the garbage, the disappointment, the hurt, the misunderstanding, and you're not trying to settle every score, and you put it on the curb, and you let the Holy Spirit lift it out of your heart. You don't dwell on it. You don't regurgitate it. You're not nurturing it. You're not telling And you just say, God, I'm letting go of it. Letting go of it. You believe the best and forget the rest. Yeah. Forget the rest. Went over to a family's house one time in the church. And they said, we want to show you something. 
thought, what is it? They got a family album out. Oh, my gosh, probably going to show me their grandkids, going to show me their kids, going to, I don't know. They said, look, we have pictures of a wrecked car. We wrecked our car. And they began to show me pictures of a wrecked car. Yeah, get up a minute, Pastor. I got up under the couch. They pulled out. Here was this yellow cast. I broke my leg, and I kept the cast for it. It's, it's under the couch. That <laughs> thing is yellowing. So they hear, here, look at it. I can see it from here. They have a photo album of a wrecked car, and they keep the shell, that cast, under their couch. Why in the world would... I hope they're still not in the church. I'm telling their story. I just, I just now thought about that, you know. Uh, why in the world would you hold on to that junk? Some of us, you're rehearsing the hurts, the messes, the wounds, the mistakes. It's garbage day. It's time to get rid of it. Believe the best. Forget the rest. And then number four, enduring love. The Bible says always perseveres. Here's what I say. Keep falling in love with the same person. Keep falling in love. But hear me, with the same person. Don't you dare go misquote me. Don't you put something on social media. I said the same person. Love always perseveres. Love always perseveres. You'll let me in closing. We're going to have an altar moment. In the Old Testament, the book of Songs of Solomon, I'm about to go quick with this. Just follow. This is this is a song between a lover and her groom. You look in the the song, middle of the chapter three, there you realize they're separated. In fact, it will say, she will say, My my lover is come, but he's surrounded by sixty men of warrior who have swords. And I thought, yeah, sometimes sometimes you can be in love and stuff separates you. Feelings drift, feelings, and you can get defensive. There's my lover, but he's surrounded by 60 men with swords. It's easy to get defensive when you've been hurt. Defensiveness comes, yeah. But what does she say she's going to do? Oh, she gives five good words of advice here. Verse number one, she said, I looked. Some of you need to start looking at your marriage and your spouse different. I looked. Then she said, I, I will get up now. Yeah, you're waiting for the other person to apologize. You're waiting for the other person to make the move. You need to get up now. She says, and I will go search. I will search. She said, verse 4, and I found the one. If you'll search, if you'll start looking for good, you'll find it. There's good in him. There's good in her. You just haven't searched for it. And then it it closes in verse number 4 with this. And when I found him. I held him. I like that. I held him. They pulled together. Yeah. They got past their defensiveness. And 
they pull together. And that's something God wants to do for you. For this closing prayer, I'm going to ask you in the balcony in the main floor to stand together with me. If you'll hold off, this is an altar moment. Please don't step out. I'm going to lead you. If you happen to have the privilege of your spouse with you right now, would you just reach over and take them by the hand? Husbands and wife, would you just, just take them? So here's, here's the question. I've got two questions, and I'm going to ask you to answer the question, not verbally. You're not going to raise your hand. You're going to communicate to your spouse whom you hold by the hand. And I want you to just indicate to them in a moment. But if you know that your marriage is not Christ-centered, perhaps it was in the past and you drifted or intentionally, unintentionally something happened, but today, today is not Christ-centered. You're, you're not honoring God's Word. You're, the attitudes of Christ are not in your marriage. You, sir, you're, you're not making godly decisions for whatever reason with the got off track or have not made that commitment but today you're saying I I will commit to God and my spouse our marriage is going to be Christ centered if that's you I just want you to squeeze your spouse's hand right now and you're going to communicate to them and God only okay if your hand was squeezed by your spouse say I'm going to commit to make our marriage Christ centered and you, the other spouse, will commit to the same. I want you to squeeze their hand back right now. Okay. You as a couple who have just communicated to each other are saying, our marriage is going to be Christ-centered. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment, but with that, there are people in this, in this room right now you need to do some forgiving. You've held on, and maybe you feel justified, but God wants you to forgive it. You spent months and years trying to settle it. Forgive it. Forgive it. Walk away. Just let God heal the hurt. Surrender it to the Lord today. Some, some are not being trustworthy. Some have allowed mood and personality to kind of control the home. And you've threatened and you've said, if this, I leave and that. And you have created an insecurity in the home. The Bible says love is trustworthy. I am going to invite you and summon you to not do that in the marriage anymore. That's not healthy for the marriage. And you're putting a roadblock for God to work in your heart. Because you're saying marriage is on my terms was never meant that way there's another group I'm going to pray for you that's blended families blended families they're, they're her kids and your kids and you're together and with that there are unique challenges I, I understand that I, I'm not sure the, I like the phrase stepmom, stepfather I, I don't know that I really like that phrase but that's, that's what we describe it in our culture and that's caused profound tension in the home. 
some of the kids are saying that's not my real dad that's not my real mom and you don't treat them the way you treat yours and it's gone back and forth and it's been a it's been a faction and it's been an issue in the home and you're you're caught you're caught in that conflict i want to i want to suggest to you in the marriage you're in right now god can make and god can bring his blessing that marriage can I just remind us you know Jesus grew up in a blended family his father was the heavenly father Joseph was his stepfather Joseph wasn't Jesus's uh, actual father the heavenly father was Joseph was the stepfather I can tell you literally Jesus grew up in a blended family Joseph the stepfather and it worked it worked and God can help you make it work God can step in your marriage now how do you do that sir just love their mother and you'll win their kid you'll win those kids yes lady love their father and you're going to win his kids over enduring love works let me lead you in prayer. Father, at this moment I sense such a profound awareness in the Holy Spirit that you're, you're ministering to lives, marriages, and couples. There are couples that are in this room. They're at the point of saying we need to be a Christ-centered family, a Christ-centered marriage. That means that they're going to have to bring their life in alignment with God's Word. They're going to have to put the character and the nature of Jesus at the center. That means personality cannot reign. That means God has the final say. But they have committed today to their spouse and communicated such as they squeeze the hand of their spouse. And Lord, you're aware of that. And they commit today to honor you and to have a Christ-centered marriage. I ask you, God, that you will place them in ministry groups here where we can encourage them. and They will begin to pray and read God's Word together in the home. And they'll take their marriage off the endangered species list. God bless them. For those who are caught in conflict, those that need to do some forgiving, Lord, others, there's matters that are so real in their mind right now. And they know the area that God is dealing with them in their marriage. They commit to enduring love. To always trust. To always hope. To protect and to persevere in love. They, 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 need, to, they need to follow God's pattern. And they commit to do that today. And Holy Spirit, encourage them to not go back into old patterns and old habits and some of the old phrases, threats. God, take that out of their language and take that out of their, their con take the conflict away. For the blended family, oh Lord, you, you want to heal brokenness. 
You want to mend and you want to restore. And they have, they have by your leading felt their calling into this marriage. And God, you want to make this marriage work for them. Understanding there's, there's challenges. But I'm mindful Jesus grew up in a blended family. And Father, I pray the grace of the Lord to be theirs. You'll strengthen blended families. And for the stepdad and the stepmom, I thank you that they stepped in. God, bless them. Give them wisdom to walk through this season and all of the, the emotions surrounding that and preserve their marriage. And let their marriage be one that will honor you bless homes as you we as couples pull together and I ask this in the name of Jesus Amen